Hello, and welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads to connect with God and find direction. Pour yourself a drink, grab a seat, and join us on the back porch for a friendly conversation about Christian prayer, spirituality, and faithful theology. My name's Matt. And I'm Brandon, and we're really glad you're here. The Signpost Inn podcast is brought to you by the Signpost Inn ministry, where we offer spiritual direction, retreats and sabbatical residencies, and lots of resources and training. You can find out more about what we do and support us by visiting signpostin.org. On today's show, Matt and I answer listener questions about prayer and Christian meditation. You can send your own questions to us by emailing us at podcast at signpostin.org. And as a bonus, if you send your questions in as an audio clip, we'll even feature you on the show. Thanks, and here's the show. Hey, Brennan. Welcome back to the back porch. Thanks, Matt. It's good to see you. It's been a while. It's good to see you, too. I've missed uh, hanging out. Yeah, I always like these conversations. <laughs> yeah, me, too. Me, too. Well, and on the concept of, of having conversations, we sort of are welcoming guests to the back porch today in the form of listener questions. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about this. And I, I do want to start off by po- apologizing to the people who sent their questions in. Out, I sent out the plea, both like a little short podcast and on social media, and people responded and got some really good questions back to us. And I just want to say to them, sorry that it's taken us so long to get this episode out. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, hopefully we, we were able to help them and get it some uh, get some good questions in here. Yeah, and I, I hope other people feel free to send some questions in. So if you have questions, um, notice that we love them. So send them to us. Email them to us at uh, podcast at signpostin.org, and we'll try to get them on the show eventually. Yeah, and, and we got some very interesting ones. Uh, from a from a whole scope of various topics. Obviously, a lot of them are about prayer, um, but... As an example of of one that's not, we got a question from Kevin, and his question was, did Paul read the Old Testament allegorically in the rabbinical tradition of Philo of Alexandria? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that. Um, I I, I know you, and I see you, and (laughs) I I recognize what you're trying to do, I believe. You may be asking this question honestly, but I don't think you're asking it honestly of me because I have no idea. (laughs) I am not an expert in New Testament scholarship, certainly not on that level. So, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, I I had to because I'm this kind of guy. I had to go do a little bit of research, and I found a couple articles that would lead me to say no. But I have no way of knowing whether or not (laughs) – Yeah, I'm sure it's a very important thing. I know it's a very important question. Maybe I'll try to find somebody to interview for you, Kevin. So <laughs> maybe I should interview you, Kevin. Want to come on the show? Send me an email. Yeah, he might already have an opinion on this. Who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> it could be a really fun back porch conversation. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely yeah. need a good, uh, good, good stout drink for that one, though. Right, right. I love it when the theology nerds all gather up on the back porch. It's always a lively evening. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to something that maybe we can speak to. So Aaron writes in and he says, how do you pray by yourself? What does that prayer look like when you aren't crafting a prayer to be heard by others? I love this question. <laughs> I love this question because it's all, it just, it, to me, it sounds so like it resonates deeply with me too. And it's so honest. 
we have all, I don't know, maybe, maybe not everybody has, but most of us have had that experience of praying in public. And there's always that weird kind of, am I praying in such a way that I'm actually praying to God or am I praying? And really what I'm aware of is how, what, how other people are hearing my prayer. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, as a kid, I can remember, I think being so frustrated by, and we've all experienced this too, right? Where people don't pray to God, they pray at you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the prayer is what you need, what they think you need to hear. It's almost like a sermon in a prayer rather than an actual prayer to somebody else, which always felt so awkward. We would never do that. We would never talk to somebody else in the room with the intention of the third person in the room. Like, so you know what this other piece person needs to really hear, right? I don't know. I might have I might have known some people that would do that. So it's it's we have those people in our midst. But it's awkward and it's not cool. So yeah, I think the question is honest. Um I also think there's another level of like honesty on the question too, which is it's connected to another question that was asked about how do you teach kids to pray that we'll probably hopefully get to, but I think for some of us especially with kids or in that place where we are instructing others there's always a little sense of, I know I'm being watched and people are going to imitate me. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but you know, we're that conscious awareness of being watched and that people are imitating the way I pray adds a level of difficulty or complication to prayer. (laughs) So I know that, you know, that I resonate with that too. Um, But one of the reasons I really like questions about prayer is because the Bible in Jesus like literally directly answers a lot of these questions and you don't have to really go very far. Um, so it's the place to naturally go, I think, is to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. When Jesus teaches the, us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, right? So you've had the Beatitudes, you've had um, him talking about how we should treat our enemies and things like that. And then he gets right before the Lord's, right before he actually teaches the Lord's prayer uh, in Matthew, I see it's six, five. He says this, he says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. The principle of honest, genuine prayer to your father who who knows your deepest longings, who knows your heart, right? This this idea of your father is in secret as well. He knows. He's he's there with you. He knows you better than you know yourself. So there's no there's no magic to going into your closet. It's not like that's the prescribed way to pray and God will only accept your prayer if you do it this way. There's rather there's rather the sense that this is an intimacy thing. And that like that leads right to the connection of and I think I hope I can get back and answer the question a little more directly in my mind, but one of the things that's so fascinating about the Lord's prayer that Jesus teaches us, which happens just a few verses later, is that Jesus says, "Our Father." Think about what that means for a minute. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to pray to God as if he is your father as well as my father. And there's that connection to the, you know, co-heirs with Christ. We've been adopted as children into God's family. We are Jesus's brothers and sisters now. But that's that's totally unique and new. That's different than praying to the king 
who is just the political authority. You know, now I'm praying to the Almighty as if he loves me like a dear father would love me. And that really comes out in Luke because the things that he talks about after the Lord's Prayer for several, like several paragraphs is your father will answer your your prayers because he loves you. He's very clear in Luke about how tender and loving he is. So he really expands on this idea of our father. So anyway, where that brings me to is this. How do you craft a prayer when you're by yourself? And I don't think you do. I think I think the invitation that Jesus gives us in his teachings on prayer is to really, it's just simple, honest prayer, like a little child would talk to his daddy. Mm-hmm. And I know my daddy doesn't care <laughs> if I had fancy ways of asking him for stuff or if I wanted to talk about the latest Lego thing I built. You know, he was very happy to listen and he just smiled and had a good time with me and he enjoyed my presence. And I think that's the beginning of praying to your father in secret. Um, what's behind the fear? Like I go into prayer and I have to have a formula. I have to have a script. What's behind that, I believe, is a bad image of God as being this sort of like an old computer where you had to feed the cards in so that it would accept it. <laughs> wow, you just dated yourself. No, I, I'm, I'm actually younger than those. I just know about them, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I just don't think that's the way God is as the father. Well, I guess for me, the question is now kind of flipped on the other uh, on the other side then what is prayer in corporate settings you know public settings and uh, at meals or 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 even crafting prayers like the the concept of crafting a prayer sounds well some people might hear that and say well that's not genuine if it's been pre-crafted then that's not from the heart i guess the question is is what's the difference and and should there be a difference yeah so one of the one one thing I want to do is reference people back to the podcast I had with Adam Hensley on the Psalms. Because in that podcast, we talked a little bit about how the Psalms are uh, the prayer book of the church. One of the things he said that I didn't know that fascinated me was that the Psalms, many of them were commissioned by David to be sung liturgically in the temple. So we as far back as the ancient temple, we have liturgical prayers, prayers that are sung, crafted, written by poets and sung in the places of worship. So that's, those things have a really important place. I would challenge people that if that, you know, I think it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a modern individualistic American thing to be like, I can't put my heart into that. Mm, Yeah. But when you're in your car driving down the road and your favorite song comes on your Spotify playlist, you know those words backwards and forwards. Those words were written, crafted, you know, probably by very formulaic pop pop music formulas. And my heart is in it instantly. Like I am – all the feels are right there, man. Yeah. This will also date me. You put on the early Mumford & Son albums, the first two. <laughs> like every song makes me cry because yeah. <laughs> I have such deep memories attached to it. And I think, I think that's the way liturgical prayers in our – corporate worship can actually be. They're not all that way. It's not, you don't hear every song on your playlist and be like, oh, all the feels, but in different times and different places, they do. I think that's a great metaphor. I love that. All right. Well, there's a lot more. I think that we could probably get, we could talk about that for a while, but why don't we go ahead and see if we could get 
uh, speak to Hannah's question. Hannah asks, what are your thoughts on meditation? Is it something that Christians should practice or not? Good question. It's a question that I've actually had a lot of people ask as I have taught about contemplative prayer and as I practiced um, more of the contemplative stuff within the Christian tradition, there's been a lot of nervousness. Before I say anything, I want to put out the, a, a book recommendation. There's a book titled Grace Upon Grace, Spirituality for Today uh, by John W. Kleinig. He's a Lutheran professor, Lutheran seminary professor, um, very conservative in his theology uh, in the best possible sense, very orthodox. And he has a whole chapter on meditation. And one of the things that he said that was a kind of a light bulb moment for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I never noticed this. As he says, in the broadest sense, we all meditate, right? Like meditation is sort of a relaxed focus or a relaxed attention. And it almost seems like for humans, that's practically a natural state for us, we kind of slip into it all the time. Like you're probably doing it right now listening to this podcast. Hmm. You're not deeply, deeply focusing and working really hard analytically. Now, probably some of you are because I'm talking about meditation and all of a sudden you're a little, you know, every, every day's antennas are up and going, oh no. But we slip into meditation when we watch TV. We slip into meditation when we listen to music. We do it when we're driving. Uh, this kind of relaxed conscious state. And understood in that sense, meditation is nothing special. It's when our like obsessive kind of thought process vacates the stage and allows something else to occupy the stage of our consciousness. So you can see like, right, you're listening to music and you're not super self-aware at that moment. What you're doing is listening to the music and you're receiving whatever the music is, is giving. Which is why what really matters is not whether one is meditating or not. What really matters, as the Bible says, is what we're meditating on, what we're allowing to occupy the stage. Yeah. I think that's the real difference between Christian meditation and any other kind of meditation. In Christian meditation, we the techniques we use, we you and I talked about this a little bit back in our neuroscience podcast, right? The techniques may look similar, but the content is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. When Christians meditate, what we do is we enter that relaxed state of awareness and vacate our own stage so that God himself or his word can be the center and we are simply receiving it. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to describe it. And I mean, as we talked about before, this is just something that's kind of uh, blown, blown my mind in the last year as I've been kind of looking into this and and exploring this. And, and a, the, the key difference, just like you said, is the fact that we're actually inviting God in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can meditate on anything and do it by yourself, but the, the concept of a Christian meditating is essentially meditating on scripture or inviting God and the Holy Spirit into that time. One of the things that that I do is I've begun in in my prayers and and when I want to enter a state of just being with God and and dwell and and resting in his presence is simply to invite God to thy kingdom come right here like literally in my own head have your rule and dominion here as it is in heaven that's been a great prayer I've loved praying that I highly recommend trying it out because it's one of those things you where Whatever it is you're facing, whatever worries or anxieties or, 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 or even if you're just going into a busy day ahead of you, being able to pause before you pull out of the driveway or as you're getting dressed and say, all that stuff that's coming, you know, that's fine. It's going to come. But for right now, just I want to rest in you. I want to be with you. And um, 
sometimes God will surprise you and say some really great things in those moments. Or, or you can just leave that time being deeply blessed in the, his lavish love that he gives us. It's pretty great. Yeah. You know, like what you're describing I, doesn't require massive amounts of mental effort to focus on God's, you know, some specific Bible verse. What you're doing, and it sounds like, and I do this too, is I'm really actually relaxing my mental effort of worry and concern. And think of meditation again as a, a kind of a passive receptive state of consciousness, receiving the meaning of the words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And receiving the presence of God, I'm, I'm becoming aware that God is actually with me and cares about me. And so like, what's what thoughts am I having? Probably not a whole lot. I'm mostly just being, I'm, my body is relaxing. My mind is relaxing. Just like, just like a little child does after he's been really worried about something and he crawls up in his mom's lap. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh. Just being held. Yeah. But that's very full of meditating on God, you know? I do think, I think there's something else in the question that needs to be answered, though. Because recently the question was, that same question was asked of me, but with more specific content about like mindfulness practices that are popular today. There's a lot of apps that are available. There's some concern because it's, those aren't specifically Christian. The, many of the techniques that are taught in those apps come from varied sources from other religions, from psychology, from everything else. And there's some concern like, well, am I doing something bad by engaging in these? And I would just like to say again, it really isn't the practices that are the problem. It's if there is a problem, it's the content because, you know, deep breathing, slowing down my thoughts, doing a body scan and noticing my physical presence in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, I don't care if you read that in the Bhagavad Gita, which is the you know Hindu text, or if you read that in some psychology textbook. You know what? That just means all of they all recognize that we are physical beings and that when we breathe deeply and we calm our bodies, we feel better. Well, duh. You know, a Christian knows that too. And the Christians in the past knew that and practiced similar kinds of things because they believed that they were you know, physical beings, and they knew that it helped. To me, that's a little bit like, I can learn dietary advice from any source, right? And Christians do not have the corner on dietary information. (laughs) There's not Christian dieting? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you know, nutritional information can come from anywhere. And I think some of this is just kind of, you know, mental, physical nutrition in a sense. So yeah, I fine. Learn it, use it. It's wonderful. It's really helpful for anxiety. It's really helpful for all kinds of things. I would encourage you to also in, intentionally do those things in the presence of God and they can become part of your prayer life. You know, the only place I'm worried is like when, I don't know, I think it was the Headspace app. I heard one that the content was very clearly like very clearly promoting a pantheistic like you know recognize your godhood kind of i think that's even the right. language that was used yeah. you know and again the the 
it was a little breathing exercise, and then the person was guiding you through these thoughts. The breathing exercise was great. It was super helpful. But the thoughts were not so great. Right. To use it to use another analogy, it's like movies have the same techniques. Some movies put in thoughts your head put thoughts in your head that are real crap. <laughs> you know, and other movies put thoughts in your head that are great. They both use the music, they both get you into the kind of receptive state. They all are using the same techniques. One movie I'm okay with, the other one I'm not. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great parallel uh, analogy. So we've already spent a lot of time just talking on a few questions, and so what we might have to do is just keep uh, keep going and have another, record another episode. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions that came in that we have not get got to. I'd love to do one more and get try to squeeze in a few more, um, and then we can see what we can do. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the back porch, and until next time. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit us at signpostin.org. While you're there, sign up for our e-newsletter and we'll send you a free e-book. Also, a big thanks to all of our supporters. Signpost In is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry and we exist only because of our generous donors who make everything we do possible. Please consider supporting us with your recurring donation. Visit signpostin.org slash donate.